I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It is that time of the week. It's the Run Line here on VSIN, the sports betting network. We've got Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. So much to get to over the next two hours. We have Dan Shimborski, Fangraphs, inventor of Zips, which will not be in the regression report uh, or sabermetric stat of the week this week, Adam, but we'll let, we'll let Dan talk about that. He's, he's got some great uh, analytics insight to share with us on the show today. We've also got a couple of new wrinkles uh, here, real or fake. Homage to the city we, the you city, and I call home, man. Adam. Yes. Las Vegas. We're going to talk about pitchers. Are they real or are we, are we not buying what we're seeing so far? Because now we have more than a month of sample size. Uh, however, what we have to lead off the show with, it's, it's always funny how we do the show once a week. We give ideas and thoughts on different teams. We talked about Angels pitching likely regression last week. And what happens two days later? Reed Detmers throws a no-hitter. We also talked about the Reds. Figured... Well, surely they got to, at some point, turn things around. They at least won a series for the first time this year. However, today, in what is just a great microcosm of this weird and wacky 2022 baseball season, Adam, uh, they managed to no-hit the Pittsburgh Pirates. The only problem, they did not score more runs than the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is kind of the only thing that matters. Pirates win one nothing. Was a good start for your guy, Hunter Green, Adam, but uh, those Cincinnati Reds, they just keep on finding ways to lose, as amazing as that is. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't make this up. You just, no, you, you could, could not. not make this up with this Cincinnati Reds team. In this game, the Pirates had an expected batting average, according to Baseball Savant, of .088. So the no-hitter very much justified. They didn't make a lot of quality contact in this game, but find a way to score a run in the bottom of the eighth, and the Reds fail to score a run. So uh, just another... Another chapter in the anthology that is Another. the 2022 Cincinnati Reds season. <laughs> the, the anthology. Volume uh, 1C so far. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, will we'll certainly be a best a bestseller. Hey, the look, funny look. thing is, like, is, is this considered a low point for this team? I would argue. To a team and lose? Because they've no, had a lot of low points. I would, I would say there were, there were lower points. I mean, look, <laughs> Hunter Green, who I basically was ready to completely give up on at this time last week, uh, he was great against... Not my Milwaukee Brewers earlier in the week, near two outs away from a quality start, and then he goes seven and a third hitless innings. Did walk five today, but like he's actually been good. Uh, you know, Thirteen innings, two runs over his last two starts. So at least there's some positives for the Reds. But I mean, come on, and you look at it historically, Adam. This is one of those things that has not happened very often. Now there have been a you know, smattering of pitchers who have 
or teams who have done this in eight innings, if they were, say, the road team, like like Cincinnati was today. Uh, but it's it's kind of amazing when you start getting into some of the names, like the Jared Weavers of old that were, that were part of this list. It's always fun to look at it, and you, but it makes you think, like, all right, something really bad has to happen, and, and really says a lot about your team if you're unable to, to even do anything, not even get a run across when your, your own staff is combining for a no-no. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, look, the only actual nine-inning no-hitter with the guy to lose was Ken Johnson, Houston Colt 45s. Great name. Back in 1964. By the way, the new lounge across the street, the plaza, the sand yeah. dollar, they have a beer vending machine with Colt 45 in it. That seems something like you would be you would be the I, first one in line. I was for. over there Friday with a few VSIN people and uh, interesting right. little little side note over there. So uh, our producer Brian Ortega tells me in my little earpiece thing he is going after the show. So I, I will say for the, the, so we're over there and and the guy <laughs> says that the vending machine doesn't read the new $5 bills. Wait, like, there's new like, $5 bills? Like the ones that have been out for, I don't know, 20 years, it feels oh, like. Oh, that those it doesn't read five. the new $5 oh. bills. Oh. Singles only. That's throwback. So for the for, for the fans here who are not <laughs> Vegas-based, when you come next time, uh, tell tell the good people over at the Plaza Vending Machine, whoever's manning that about station. About Ken Johnson. About Ken <laughs> Johnson. Losing no hitter. And that, uh, yes, and that Adam, Adam Burke sent you. Uh, so, yes, we have pitchers and staffs throwing no hitters that end up losing games. That, uh, that again, happens today. We also just had a walk-off before we went, we went on the show uh, as we were about to come on the air. Dodgers, who had lost four straight, were on the precipice of getting swept here by the Phillies. We were about to say, uh, what what is wrong in Los Angeles, I don't know that we were, but that was that would have been a media talking point if they would have lost a series to the Pirates and then gotten swept at home by the Phillies. But uh, fear not, uh, triple with two outs from Cody Bellinger, walk from Chris Taylor, and then Gavin Lux, two-run double, and Corey Knable in the Phillies bullpen. It is the gift, Adam, especially if you're a live better, blindly betting against the Phillies bullpen, the gift uh, that keeps on giving here, at least for the first month of the season. Yeah, and also, too, I mean, you know, the thing about bad bullpens is that they're very helpful when it comes to betting overs, you know, because they're just, they don't get the job done. And the Phillies not getting the job done today. Two outs and a one-two count on Bellinger mm. when he hit that triple. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates open. That was, of course, after the Phillies gave up a run in the eighth as well. So they squander a really strong start from Aaron Nola. But it is interesting, right? So the Dodgers do win this game, as, as you mentioned, but they did not have a good week. You know, they lost a series to the Pirates, which... And that's not particularly good. Then here they come back home. They struggle with a Phillies team that we know Philadelphia can hit, but the pitching is obviously very suspect, as we saw once again here today. It, again, it, you know, it's one of those things where the extremes, right? I mean, the Dodgers looked like they were virtually unbeatable, but when you look at them and their results here so far, they've lost a series to the Diamondbacks, to the Rockies, to the Pirates. You know, they've lost they lost a game in that series against the Tigers, where they were a three dollar favorite with Clayton Kershaw on the mound. So. Again, I'm going to keep drawing this parallel with the Dodgers where they just feel like an NBA team. You know, like they're they're going to take nights off. They know that they're going to end up being a playoff team when all is said and done. If we can find these spots where they just don't really show up, we can cash yeah. some big tickets against them. I remember you you might have had an inkling or two about this ad. I mean, you, you talked about it last week. and I haven't bet it yet, of course, if, but well, I talked about it. I mean, nothing, we didn't bet the Reds, anti-Reds <laughs> run line thing either. I mean, look, look, at how, look at how we're doing. Uh, and and you also add in too the like the Clayton Kershaw, the kind of inevitable injury for him hits the IL. Not expected to be serious for him, but with Dustin May already out with Tommy John surgery, it is at least, you know starting rotation that has found itself uh, to be a little bit weaker than maybe maybe perceived. So that was certainly uh, an injury and, and just the team in general, uh, Adam. That has kind of a, a, been a part of another big storyline here in the league, which is more injuries uh, and in the NL East in in specific. Want to get to where Tyler McGill? Like how good was he? 
uh, replacing Jacob DeGrom, and now he finds himself on the shelf. Right, and for Tyler McGill, I mean, in his last start, he got blown up. I mean, I think he gave up eight or nine runs in an inning and a third, and when you see those types of starts, there's generally something wrong. I mean, sometimes you get a Dallas Keuchel kind of start like he had against Cleveland on that Wednesday when I was doing betting across America where, I mean, he just every, he was living in the middle of the plate. Everything got hit. Everything found a hole, basically. But with Tyler McGill, a start that bad from a guy who had been pitching as well as he had, right? you definitely feel like there's something wrong there. And it turns out now, you know, going for an MRI, obviously fingers crossed for the Mets where Jacob deGrom still not back yet. Max Scherzer is on the wrong side of 35. You know, Taiwan Walker's a guy with a very, very extended injury history. And Carlos Carrasco's a guy who's also had, you know, his maladies here over the last few years. And, of course, you know, uh, having that very emotional bout with leukemia, too. Uh, you know, that's a guy who's, who's spent a lot of time outside of the rotation. So, from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know, look, it's kind of funny. We, we talked about it with the Mets, you know, how well they're playing, but there's always something with the Mets that always something, doesn't yeah. go right. And now we're kind of seeing their starting rotation have a little bit of attrition here right. so far. Well, you know, look, to lose two or three to the Mariners at home this week, they've built up this, you know, five, five and a half game lead in the NL East. They've been really good. And we've talked about some of these other teams struggling, Phillies, bullpen, Marlins, more injuries, which we can kind of discuss in a second here. Jesus Luzardo, the latest to go on the shelf. Uh, so you, yeah, you kind of wonder with you know with the Braves not really you know, showing their their true potential here with more injuries in, on their both their pitching staff and on the hitting side, you just kind of wonder, you know, at the very least, the Mets have built up a really nice uh, base period here and at least some breathing room. But you look at the schedule and it's it's May fifteenth, Adam. There's still so long, so much you know room still to go here for the Mets, and you kind of wonder, all right, they weathered one storm, which we kind of figured would be hard to do. Now, like, we're already one guy who is pitching so far above his perceived weight. Like, what, you know, what happens from here? That's the question I think that's logical to have. And you see how great of a bet-on team they've been at 23-12 and 12 through 35 games. You just have to wonder, like you said, they lose the series to the Mariners, sloppy throughout the weekend in, in a 2-3 in a of three loss. Are you, are you starting to worry now about the Mets? And it's not just the team thing here. It's not the name on the back of the jerseys. It's more the, the attrition piece of this. Right, yeah, because, I mean, look, anytime you lose a starting pitcher, what are you replacing that guy with? You know, are you replacing that guy with right. one of your top prospects, or is it sort of a journeyman guy that, you know, you signed to a minor league deal and he wound up sticking around and he's pitching for your AAA affiliate, something like that? You know, that that's the big thing about this season, about this grind of 162 games, is you need depth. And the Mets obviously had rotation depth with their top five, top six guys, but then you have to start looking beyond that and kind of wonder, you know, where they sort of sit. Think about a team, for example, like the Detroit Tigers, right? 
Mm-hmm. Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tyler Alexander, Spencer Turnbull, and now Michael Pineda gets hit with a comebacker the other day. Not that I'm a big believer in Michael Pineda, but we're talking about five legitimate major league pitchers that are on their injured list out yeah. of that rotation. You know, and there's only so much a team can really do to kind of overcome something like that. And they've been pathetic offensively anyway. But you start looking through some of these teams and you start looking at all the injuries that they're dealing with. The Twins, you know, they've got some starting pitchers that are hurt as well. Still waiting on Kent Omeda to come back. You know, again, over the course of 162 games, these are things that will become a problem for teams, whether it's calling up below average starters or the additional workload put on the bullpen. Yeah, and in the meantime, look, the Lazardo, who had been off to a good start, even you know, look, he had a couple of rough outings, including his last one, but uh, he now hits the shelf, and you kind of want, you know, it's a Marlins team that has built themselves, the, at least the strength being on the pitching staff. They've had a couple of nice bats, especially with Jesus Aguilar off to a good start. Uh, and, 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 and in a general sense, they still have fallen short of the uh, the lofty expectations we've given you know, of their pitching staff at a time, still below 500. But now the Lazardo piece, I mean, like 10-day IL, forearm tightness, which you never want to see in a pitcher. And at the end of the day, you kind of realize, Adam, you've talked about this before, so many young guys for the Marlins, and you just wonder, like, where's the, where, what's the path forward for such a young staff and, and a front office? It's, it's been kind of a, a, of a coddling nature up so far, to say the least. Right, and I think, too, something that's going to be really important, I know we're running up against the break here, but you think about a guy like Lizardo, right, in his mid-20s, doesn't really do a whole lot during that 2020 season. Do we right. see a lot of those young pitchers, you know, kind of run into the injury bug here after pitching a full 2021, but not really getting built up in 2019 or 2020? Right. And in the meantime, we've got an elder statesman who's nearly 40, who's uh, on the mound right now pitching a gem for the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll update Sunday night baseball cards all over the Giants, and we'll talk the regression report. We've got some good topics with Adam as we're just getting started right here on the run line. found VEASAN's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is The Run Line. Welcome back into The Run Line from VEASAN, the sports betting network. We've got the regression report coming up in just a moment. Adam Burke is making his final permutations for said regression report, even though the graphic that'll flash on the screen has already been made. But we got to make sure it's just right, Adam, tinkering with it because it's the regression report. We got to be perfect. perfectionist. You, yes, yeah, we are. Absolutely. He is, he is a, that is a great way of putting it. Uh, we also have Sunday Night Baseball, which is underway, which we do need to mention. Before we get into the regression reports, final game of the week, St. Louis Cardinals all over uh, the San Francisco Giants. Bit of a, not, not surprising that because Adam Wainwright's been off to an outstanding start so far. Adam, sub three ERA, and he is not yet allowed to hit through his first uh, three and two thirds innings of work trying to get, he's got the two outs Nobody on trying to get through Mike Yastrzemski would be four no-hit innings to start for Adam Wainwright. Cards up five zip. You see the live numbers after they went off in a really good pitching matchup against Carlos Rodon. The Giants here, Adam, were about a dollar thirty-five favorite was the, the high watermark, at least with Rodon on the mound tonight. And it is uh, not going well, to say the least. We've already seen a couple of big flies, four-run first inning. Paul Goldschmidt, two-run bomb. Yadi Molina. Uh, two-run base hit, and then Albert Pujols, another a hard hit ball. So a lot of hard contact early that we're seeing here in St. Louis. Yeah, and this is an angle I've isolated with the Cardinals here, and I've written about this a lot in the daily article over at vcin.com. They are hitting lefties. They are feasting, actually, against lefties, and they're feasting off a really good one today in Carlos Rodon. However, any above-average right-handed starting pitcher, 
they are doing virtually nothing against. If you look at their numbers against righties, they are not good, even with their park factor built into the WRC plus right. stat that we talked about on the first show that you and I did together. Bush Stadium is not a good offensive park. They get graded on a curve based on their numbers in that park, and they're still not grading very well against right-handed pitchers. So they get a lefty today, even a good one, and they're doing really well. But any above-average righty, they're worth fading in most of those games. And also, too, Adam Wainwright, as you mentioned, pitching really well here tonight. His home road splits are very, very dramatic mm. over the last several seasons. So that's something for you to keep in mind, too. If you've got Wainwright and the Cardinals at home against a left-handed starter for the other team, I'm not going to say it's an auto play, but it'd be very hard for me to go against. Is it. there anything you can point to for the, like the reasoning behind that other than just kind of random variance and, or the way that that team is set up where you've got these power hitting guys that they've certainly embraced from an organizational standpoint. Uh, it, it's much more of just that, you know, the, the true three outcomes are, they're guys who hit for power, but strike out a ton, but there's a lot of teams that do that. And there's a lot of teams who don't have those same set, sort of splits. So is there anything you can, you can pinpoint why, why that would be the case? Well, when you look at the Cardinals, they're a very right-handed heavy team. I mean, Tommy Edmonds, a switch yeah. hitter, so is Dylan Carlson. But, you know, Goldschmidt, Arenado, a lot of the guys that bat in the top half of the order for them are right-handed, and righties have done a really good job against them. So, you know, if your middle-of-the-order bats aren't able to produce, then it's going to be really, really difficult for you to score runs. That's been an issue that the Texas Rangers, for example, have had pretty much all year long. But for the Cardinals, it's just that, they're so right-handed heavy. Almost all of their bench bats are right-handed as well, so it's tough for them to play the platoon advantage game and all of that. It's just one of those things where you know they're right-handed heavy going up against a right-handed starter, and there are other teams like that too that yeah. are out there. You, know, you think about the White Sox, right? They've had a lot of injuries, but they've been a team historically over the last few seasons much better against lefties than against righties. You know, there are teams that you can look to play those you know those split matchup mm -hmm. advantages for or against. And it's one I've isolated here so far. The Cardinals just, you know, I, I bet I bet against them with Logan Webb over the weekend. I've done it a few other times with them against right-handed starters. So far, it's it's been cashing at a pretty high rate. So hopefully that continues. The St. Louis Cardinals. That is a rubber game, by the way. Three-game series. And it's all cards so far. Wainwright does get out of the fourth. So 5 nothing St. Louis uh, going to the bottom of the fourth. Mentioned cards were a short home dog. Just a seven total already. Uh, five runs here going to the bottom of the fourth. All right. Without any further ado. Regression report. Let's go. Last week, Adam, uh, we look. We we we've discussed a number of teams so far, uh, and in general, you know, since as we talked about White Sox positive regression, they I'd say they've been pretty good since we we brought them up on the show. We're going to talk about another uh, sock color. It is red. The Boston Red Sox, who uh, have have drawn the ire of a lot of betters, at least trying to back them, but. Adam, a team that now is down to 79 in some markets on their in-season win total. They were about 85 and a half in the cellar in the AL East. Do you believe there's reason to be optimistic about the Sox this year? Yeah, I do. And of course, this comes on the heels of them losing 7-1 today to the Texas Rangers to fall to 13-21. and But a few things about the Red Sox. One general point first, and then what, the point that I wanted to make regarding their performance with men in scoring position. The humidor is a big thing, right? We've talked about it a ton. You could play a drinking game with this show. Every time we say humidor... It's a Sunday night. You know, make sure you're not hungover for work tomorrow. But every time we say humidor on the show, you could pop a little sip. One cold 45 sip. Uh, <laughs> exactly. See if you finish it by the end. There you, there go. you go. Right. Yeah. But these teams in cooler weather climates in the Midwest, in the Northeast, they've really been impacted in a negative way by the humidor. The dead ball has really hurt a lot of teams in cold weather cities. So just because of that, I think Boston's offense should get better as it gets warmer. We saw them kind of wake up a little bit in that series against Atlanta 
Uh, and of course, here they play in you know the retractable roof dome in Texas, where you know there was already a humidor there. Or we already know how that's going to perform, so on and so forth. But in general, Boston should get better at home. The second thing, and the big reason why I think they're a positive regression team here, when you look at their performance with men in scoring position, they came into the today eighth in number of plate appearances with a runner in scoring position, but 28th in weighted on base average at 274. Mm. Now, this has gone up a little bit since I sent in the information for the graphic on Friday. So we've already seen some measure of positive regression for Boston on the offensive side, but their batting average on balls in play is really, really low with men in scoring position. And specifically, they're better hitters, guys like Alex Verdugo, guys like Rafael Devers. They're not having any success on batted balls with men in scoring position. And the reality of baseball is this. You score runs by getting hits in these high leverage situations, by getting your hits with men in scoring position. Again, they're eighth in number of plate appearances, but they're not cashing those chances in, which is why they fell to 13 and 21 here today. The pitching's actually been pretty good for Boston, but they're not getting the timely hits. That should change as we go forward, both because of the track records of their good hitters, but also I think because their offensive profile should improve in general as it gets warmer and the humidor's impacts are, are maybe minimized a little right. bit. Right. Well, and I'd say this too. I mean, you mentioned Verdugo, who just he returned to the lineup today, had missed a couple of games, was day to day, banged up. JD Martinez was banged up. He's he's missed some time recently. You've had the whole Trevor story, the new addition. I've I've heard the media there is sometimes not quite as forgiving as some other markets. And so yes. he is he even with a two ninety six BAPIP is not uh, gotten the, the luck at to go his way so far with a two oh two average has not matched uh, not really matched us so far. Some of the, and I mean, it's terrible isolated power. I mean, he's, he's been bad. 092 isolated power so far. You would imagine, though, a guy of his caliber would come around. So I think there are some, you can look at this and say, all right, you can, you can understand why those things are where they are. You would expect certainly the, uh, the positive aggression to come. But you can say that from the eye test. It's another thing when you have numbers like this, though, that, that certainly bear that out. Uh, so that is good. 79 is an interesting in-season win total. I think the one pushback people would have is, all right, well, they're in the AL East, so how much possible positive regression can you get? Like, it's one thing to talk about the White Sox, and that makes sense because they're in a terrible division, but for the Red Sox, when you're having to play the Rays, Yankees, Blue Jays, basically every other series, can you really expect this stuff to totally come back to what the norms would be for league average? That's, I think, the logical follow-up. Right, I think it's a fair point, and it's funny, too, because you know one of the other teams that we've talked about in this division, the Toronto Blue Jays, are having the same issues where they're not getting hits with men in scoring position. The difference is they had won a lot of one-run games early on in the year, kind of spared them from getting off to a rough start. The thing about Boston is this, and about that 79 win total, I mean, look, obviously they're already 13 and 21, so they're well behind that pace. You know, what do we ever get from Chris Sale at any point in time? J.D. Martinez is an impending free agent. Nate Uvalde is an impending free agent. Kike Hernandez, an impending free agent. That's probably not a team that's going to contend deep into the summer. So now you start looking at those adjusted win total markets and start thinking to yourself, who's still going to be here? You know, Michael Waka's pitched pretty well. He's an impending free agent. You know, there are guys that they could end up trading here because they're not in the race. So to me, even though it's still early on, they've only played 34 games. You generally wait until about 40 or 50 games to really make determinations on teams. This is a team where, you know, who wouldn't want to bat like J.D. Martinez at the trade deadline, where he is a rental player that can slot in as a DH, play the outfield in a pinch. Nate Uvalde, obviously a guy that, we talk about pitching injuries, right? Somebody's going to need a you know front-of-the-line rotation starter at the trade deadline. The Red Sox are probably in a position to be sellers with this slow start. So to me, I would have to think under 79, and maybe this is a good time to start looking at those markets and try to capitalize on some of that value. Yeah, and you look at it right now, they'd have to go 66 and 62. 
for a big ass. I mean, that's in that division. That's a big, that, ass. and that's kind of my point. Like on the surface, it seems like, oh, yeah, like, with those numbers that you laid out, yeah, they can get to 500. And then you realize, uh, so five games over 500 the rest of the way with the schedule they have to face. That's uh, that is why it's tough. Uh, I want to give the full. We want our full breakdown on the negative regression report. I'm not trying to. To, to let you not have time, Adam. You're because just trying to pass on it because be, you're a fan of that Because it's my Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> but I, I actually do agree with you, with at least in a general sense, because Milwaukee's been really good so far, and they've basically played nobody. We'll get into the full negative regression report here later this hour, but in a nutshell, Brewers have played uh, five, a whopping five games against teams over 500. It, it's kind of amazing to, make, like, to hear people make any like, general macro statements on the Milwaukee Brewers team, just aside from the actual stats, Adam, but when you haven't played anybody, it's amazing how the schedule's kind of played out so far, and they're they're taking care of business. But what can you really draw conclusion-wise on the, on this team? I don't think you can. Right, exactly. And, and look, they're going to continue to play a bad division throughout the course of the year. But still, maybe it doesn't mean they're going to keep rattling yeah. off wins. Don't worry, this is not a ploy. But we're going to get to the full Brewers <laughs> negative regression report from Adam coming up. But first, Dan Shumborski of Fangraphs. Excited to have him on the show for the first time when we return to the run line. Found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon, make made brighter 21 plus only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details drink responsibly as we're back on the run line with adam burke ben wilson from the circus sportsbook studios downtown las vegas on a sunday night it is now six nothing adam st louis cardinals my goodness as uh, carlos rodon the struggles continue and uh, you you pointed it out cards mashing Against lefties, doesn't matter that it's Rodon who came in with the with a really sparkling uh, two fifty ish ERA, and uh, he now has given up. He's bounced in the fourth inning here, six earned, nine hits. Actually, still in. I, sh- I should correct myself. Still pitching, uh, but three and two thirds, and his ERA is has now ballooned over three for the first time all season here. Yeah, just um, maybe an off day, maybe the matchup. Maybe. I don't know. Only seven whiffs out of forty swings, so eighteen percent whiff rate for him. That's not at all what you expect to see from Carlos Rodon. Velo looks okay. Spin rates look okay. I don't think it's injury-related necessarily. Uh, maybe just an off day for him here taking out a Cardinals team that, as we mentioned, they've hit lefties. It's the the righties that have given them trouble. Yeah, well, so if you if you bet the over here, the over seven, you're, you're one run away. Six runs home, bottom of the fourth, and Paul Goldschmidt is back up, who has had a hit or a walk in 28 straight games against San Francisco, which is kind of amazing. I actually went to – I was at August 1st, 2011, Paul Goldschmidt's Major League debut, Diamondbacks-Giants. That was it. Was was it then? Pack Bell Park? No, it could not have been Pack Bell. Well, Pack Bell. I don't know. I have no idea. I should I should stop myself from going down that rabbit hole further. We need to sure. bring out our guest. Uh, he is Dan Chumborski, one of the uh, one of the original writers at Fangraph, senior writer there. He's been an ESPN contributor as well. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at D Chumborski. So pleased to have him join uh, the run line here in our our inaugural season of this show. Uh, Dan, we talked about this earlier. It seems like in what has been a wacky, weirdo 2022 baseball season, only fitting for today being a, a pseudo coup de grace so far where the Cincinnati Reds uh, salvage a no-hitter yet don't even win uh, the ball game. It seems like that's kind of been the way this season has been going in, in a lot of fronts and, and reflected in that outing today where the, the Pirates get the one nothing win despite the Reds not even giving up a hit there. 
Yeah, I was joking earlier that the Reds would figure out how to lose a perfect game, uh, but there are a few ways to do that. I guess the only saving grace is that baseball no longer counts eight inning uh, no hitters anymore. Uh, they 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 totally took Andy Hawkins' old no hitter away from him. I guess that makes sense. It's, it's at least nice. I mean, we still have we still we still have Andy Hawkins in our memories and, and the Colt. You know, look the, 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 the old. You go even further back. Yes, Ken Johnson. And Ken Johnson. I, I'm never going to forget that now, by the way. You'll never forget the Colt, no. the Colt 45s. Uh, speaking of pitching, Dan, I want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing in, in some of these top pitchers in the AL Cy Young because the, the, the presumptive thought here is, okay, Justin Verlander, who moved to the AL Cy Young favorite earlier this week, he's about 6-1 to one at most markets. He's a guy who hadn't really pitched in two years. We, we sort of wonder, all right, how long can this continue uh, for a guy who's had certainly a long track record of an injury history, but he's off to a brilliant start, sub-2 ERA, you just wrote about Shane McClanahan, who fascinates me. He's a guy who was in the 15 to 18 to 1 range to win that award. Uh, the, the issue has always been how long will Kevin Cash and, and Ray's management let him go in games? It seems so rare that he goes past five innings, went a full seven in a, in a, uh, a very strong duel against Shohei Otani earlier this week. Where do you stand on that race in general? And, and with some of these youngsters, guys like Shane McClanahan and others who certainly appear to be in the mix for what is, is shaping up to be a relatively wide open race this year for that AL Cy Young. It's always going to be kind of an uphill challenge for Rays pitchers because they do pull starters quicker than almost any other team in baseball. They're always at the at the at the bottom of the league in innings thrown by starters. And on one level, you can't really blame them simply because they always have these deep bullpens where it's usually September and they have three or four relievers that nobody even thought would be on the team that year. And they all have an ERA around two because that's how, that's how the Rays roll. Uh, my personal favorite is Kevin Gosman. He's having an unbelievable season in Toronto. Uh, last I checked, it was, he had 54 strikeouts against two walks uh, the, the whole, for the whole season. His, his FIP was actually two runs better than his ERA, which is like 2.3, 2.4 something. Uh, I've, I've been a fan of Gosman since he started using that splitter kind of as a as a faux breaking pitch, which he doesn't really have a great one of those. Uh, so he's my pick now. Dan, I want to ask you about a team that's uh, pretty pitching rich, to say the least. And I think the hire of Ethan Katz has been a major separator for the Chicago White Sox. Dylan Cease, another one of those guys kind of in that AL Cy Young discussion, if he'd been able to stay healthy, Lucas Giolito might very well be in that discussion as well. Now, of course, dealing with COVID, uh, but also you've got Michael Kopech, who's throwing really well. And Lance Lynn's not even back yet for the White Sox, who've had all kinds of injury issues here early on in the year. What do you make of that AL Central race where you've got the Twins, who have, I think, been a pretty big surprise here so far, and the White Sox, who seem to be just kind of lying in the weeds, waiting to get healthy? What do you think about that race and who you think ultimately prevails? Because it, it does look like a two-team race in the AL Central. Yeah, the, the White Sox were struggling. They have kind of come around quite a bit over the last 10 days or so. I do think that once their pitching is mostly healthy, if pitching is mostly healthy, because you know how pitchers are, I, I do think that they can outlast the Twins there. Uh, I really liked Chris Paddock and the Twins, and now he's injured, and so that's not going to be a thing. Uh, but for the Sox, you know, you have everybody back. All of a sudden, Vince Velasquez is not in the rotation. All of a sudden, maybe Dallas Keuchel's being maybe pushed out of the rotation a bit because he is not looking good this year. Uh, and if you have if you have C's Kopech, Giolito, and, and Lance Lynn, that's a pretty imposing top four as long as the team is hitting. And that's the question if they do make additions. Uh, Reese McGuire, I mean, he'll be better than he has, but he's not an offensive 
player necessarily. Uh, they might need to pick up an outfielder during the course of the season. I'm not sure if they will, uh, but I am fairly confident that the that the White Sox will pull it out, but it is going to be much closer than they anticipated coming into the season. Again, Dan Shaborski, senior writer at Fangraphs, joining us. You look at the odds now. White, we talked about this last week, Adam. Uh, White Sox now minus 125 at DraftKings to win that division. Twins uh, plus 165. I guess the natural follow-up is for the Twins, Dan, who are first place right now by three games, like, what will it take in your, in your eyes for them to sustain this? Is it, is it as simple as health, where we've seen Byron Buxton injured already, which was kind of an inevitable thing. We we, <laughs> we currently see Carlos Correa uh, just going on the injured list. And, we, and look, we've seen a number of their pitchers as well uh, fail to, to get off to great starts, and, and they've, they've battled some of that as well. They do have some really bright spots, though. Yoan Duran just threw a 103-and-a-half-mile-an-hour fastball over the weekend <laughs> as an incredible young closer. What will it take for this Twins team? Like, what is, what is the path in your eyes to them actually coming out of this division? I think it depends on how much the rotation holds together. They they have had injuries, and they do have kind of a thin rotation. Uh, coming into the season, that was my biggest worry with that team. Now, you know, they've lost they've lost Paddock. They've lost Dylan Bundy, who isn't quite as big a loss, obviously. Uh, Bailey Ober is, is injured. They have Chris Archer in the rotation. He has a pretty significant injury history. Uh, I don't think they can ride just Ryan and Gray to the playoffs, uh, even though I do like their bullpen, even trading away their closer. Uh, but I think that they're just slightly behind the White Sox talent-wise, and there's still a lot of season to go. Now the White Sox could still fall off, uh, but but because, you know, Carlos Correa will be healthy and better, and you'll have hopefully healthy Byron Buxton, even though, as you say, you never want to really count on that. Uh, I, it, it should be a fun race, much closer than I anticipated coming into the year. Dan, I want to ask you about the Baltimore Orioles here for a second because oh I've said this is a show for <laughs> nerds, and I love I love di deep diving into a lot of the teams that are out there. And one of the things that you do prior to the season, you do your Zips projection system, then you also have your Zips top prospects. And as we look at Baltimore here so far this year, Bruce Zimmerman's been good. They've had really good pitching without John Means, which I think has been a big surprise. But they still have D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez waiting in the wings. Both guys are just dominating minor league hitters right now. What do you think about Baltimore going forward? And, and what do you think the timeline might be for guys like Hall and Rodriguez to come up? I, I think they're going to take it as, 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 as events demand. I don't think they're necessarily targeting a specific date. Uh, you, you look at Hall and it's been really helpful that obviously it's only been a few games, but his command has been very good so far, which has always been kind of the, the question about him as a prospect, no one questions how hard he can throw. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, top Zips pitching prospect, Adley Rutschman, uh, second best uh, Zips uh, hitting prospect behind Julio Rodriguez. I do like where the Orioles are, and I'm from Baltimore, so I'm a little scared <laughs> to be optimistic at this point. Hey, look, their updated season win total. It, it, Dan, it's 63. They were it, below it's, that it's to progress. start the year, 59 and a half. So they're doing something right. Uh, before we let you go, about a minute left, your thoughts on the Angels here. They're, they're still plus 230 to come out of the AL West. They just take three or four from Oakland, and, and they've been off to a great start. Uh, what are your 60-second thoughts on the uh, Angels of Los Angeles this year? Well, one of the conditions for the Angels to succeed is to actually find secondary talent around Mike Trout and Show Otani. They've actually looking like they're doing that. Uh, Jared Walsh is having a pretty good season. Uh, Taylor Ward, if you if people are thinking he's a fluke, they better not get too attached to that because his plate discipline stats are great, and he's he's still got an OPS over twelve hundred. And we're only we're you know it's mid May at this point, so I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think they do have a pretty good shot in the division. Yeah, and look right now, Astros Angels each tied atop that division. You see the odds on your screen. Angels plus two thirty. Again, you can give him a follow 
at dshimborski on Twitter. Uh, we really appreciate it, Dan. We, we, we just launched this new show, The Run Line. We're glad to have great guests like you uh, coming on here. Check out his work at fangraphs.com. Dan, it is a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. All right, we got to get back to the regression report with Adam next, as well as a discussion on some pictures, real or fake. That is coming up next when we return on The Run Line. Vsin's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. The Vsin Spring Special is here for only $59. You get everything Vsin has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vsin.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. What's your uh, record so far, Adam? Uh, 39, 26, and 1. All right. Nice. Good work. Jonathan Vontobel, he'll have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. I can't ask JBT, unfortunately, about his record because he's not here. He left already. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will have NFL offseason coverage, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at vcin.com slash spring. We're back. It's the run line. VEASAN, the sports betting network. Thank you to Dan Shimborski for joining us. Uh, back with Adam Burke. Ben Wilson here from downtown Las Vegas. It has uh, gone from bad to worse for the Giants in St. Louis. They got Louis. a hit, though. They got, okay, they got a, that's the good news. They got a hit. A hit was made by San Francisco. The bad news, Nolan Arenado, two-run homer scoring Paul Goldschmidt. And uh, after a Goldschmidt double to drive it in Mundo Sosa, 9-0 St. Louis on top of the uh, the San Francisco Giants. So the over is already cashed. Carlos Rodon, a night to forget. Eight runs, all earned on 10 hits. Three and two-thirds innings, Adam. His ERA nearly doubles in the process. Uh, I wonder if this could be, if, if he's a guy you're going to buy on in his next start when you look at uh, what the Giants have coming up, where Rodon's going to get the Padres at home on Friday, most likely, because this... I don't know if you're if you're a believe. I'm sure it's depending on the situation. If you're a believer in that philosophy, is all right. And uh, a really really good ace in a bad matchup like this one, getting absolutely shelled. Do you back him the next start? This will be an interesting uh, case study with Rodon. Given that this one was so bad, I would say no. Especially a guy with Rodon's injury history. Like I said, yeah. I don't see any indicators from his in-game velocity or spin rates. But at the same time, that doesn't always tell the whole story. If a guy is this bad, I- from BBC Radio Four. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
don't want to back him in the next start. I want to make sure that there's not something more going on. But then, you know, from that point forward, because keep in mind, too, you give up eight runs in three and two-thirds, that does a number on your ERA for a while. Oh, you know, yeah. we still have the small sample sizes and all of that. So it is one of those things, not necessarily with a guy like Rodon, who had such a good ERA to begin with, but a guy that, you know, gives up eight runs where all of a sudden his ERA goes to five and a half or something like that. You know, from a statistical standpoint, it'll look like he's performing badly, but maybe it was just that one start or maybe two starts that have been really awful. Those are kind of more of the guys that I look for. But again, I won't bet a guy in his next start when he's as bad as Rodon was today, just because I want to make sure that it wasn't something more than just having a bad day, variance, so on and so forth. No, that's a very good point. You always talk about you shouldn't just make blind you know, assumptions on, on certain things. And we'll, it'll be interesting to get the reports just, you know, on the over on the velocity compared to his season numbers. That's something again, with a guy with injury history, you want to take a look at giants, at least broke up Adam Waderite's no hit bid with two outs in the fifth. So we go to the bottom half of the fifth cards, nine giants, nothing. Uh, as we get back to, we talk about the St. Louis Cardinals, another team in the NL central. That is the division we're focusing on this week. So we talk Milwaukee brewers, which is the second half of this week's regression report. For one, Adam Burke, and you are. Uh, you, we talked about how the schedule has made it hard to really have a true feel for the, uh, you know, the the actual potential of this team, given that they've played so many bad teams, one, two of three over Miami this weekend, continuing a stretch of uh, nearly all their games against sub-500 teams. What do the rest of the numbers, though, tell us, Adam, about what you've seen so far out of the Brewers? Yeah, and what's interesting is one that I just noticed here is that coming into today, the Brewers' third highest strikeout percentage of Major League Baseball, 25.2%. And as we mentioned, they've played some pretty subpar teams. Now, a lot of the bad teams at least have decent pitching. It's really the hitting that's been pretty awful for a lot of the teams that have big losing records. But still, the Brewers are swinging and missing a lot here. And one of the things that I talk about a lot on this show, I talk about a lot in my article, this concept called cluster luck. If you perform at a certain level with the bases empty and you perform at a certain level with men in scoring position and they're very, very different, there's a sharp contrast between the two, Generally speaking, the high one's going to come back down. So when you look at the Brewers here this season, 235 average, 310 on base, 415 slugging. They've been a pretty good offense outside of the swing and miss rate. When you look at them with men in scoring position, they have a 324 batting average on balls in play. That's probably not going to be sustainable given that their overall batting average on balls in play is 283. They have a 369 weighted on base average, which is much, much higher than their full season number of 322. And their WRC plus is really high. They're 37% above league average offensively with men in scoring position. Those are things that probably aren't going to continue for this team. They are built on their pitching. They're built. They're a stars and scrubs unit on the pitching side. Mm -hmm. They're built on the top of their rotation and the best parts of their bullpen. But offensively, they've been a team that has struggled for the most part over the last few seasons. Miller Park is not that great. American Family Field, whatever it is now. American Family Field. American Family Field. If they become a sponsor, I'll call it American Family okay. Field. Sounds good. But they've not been a great offense for the most part over the last few years. They've won with their pitching. This year, their offense has really come up a few notches. I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable. So I'm not saying that you want to blindly fade the Brewers, but I think offensive regression is coming for them, which may make them a pretty good underbet. Or maybe it's something where you do want to fade them as they kind of step up in class with their schedule a little bit. And, no, and I definitely agree with you with, from what we've seen so far, the, the lack of uh, strength of schedule at this point. The one player, though, that has is, is been a really interesting case study and just to watch for me, having watched this team every night, is Christian Yelich, who wins the MVP in 2019, but at the back end of that season, fouls a ball, you know, fractures his knee in a game in Miami. And 
just from the eye test, had not looked the same in the in the truncated 2020 season. We basically wrote that off. Okay, COVID, whatever. Last year was really never close to looking like himself, and there were some real concerns. Like, is is this is that was that just going to be the peak of his career? Will he would he ever get back to that point? It's again small sample size now, but highest barrel percentage of his career, higher than his MVP season at 18 percent. 56% hard hit rate. He was at 49% the year he won MVP. He has been tearing the cover off the ball, at least in the, in the last couple of weeks. Where do you stand on him specifically? Because I know there could be some dark horse uh, MVP considerations here for a guy who has that kind of potential, but just hasn't gotten past whatever has been the issue since his, his really severe knee injury of a couple of years ago. Yeah, seeing 30-1 to 1 on him right now at FanDuel, we'll see what he ends up looking like at DraftKings when they repost those numbers tomorrow. But as you mentioned, you know, the contact quality has been really, really strong. And to me, that's maybe the most predictive thing you can find with a hitter, you know, is, is what that contact quality looks like. Is he barreling the ball? Is he making hard contact? You know, and the thing about barrels, too, one of the big knocks on Christian Yelich early in his career was he hit too many ground balls. He really sapped his own power because he wasn't elevating the baseball. To elevate or to have a high barrel rate means you're elevating the ball. So that's a really good thing for Yelich going forward. And for this Brewers team going forward as well, especially when they'll get a chance to feast on a lot of that NL Central pitching throughout the course of the year. Right. Uh, last year, a 2.8 launch angle, 7.6% barrel rate. That is not very good. That is not good. That so, not, but, that, but that speaks to the adjustments yeah. he's made so far this year. And he's year. up to a 10 on, yeah, it's the second highest launch angle on average of his career and, and highest uh, barrel percentage. Uh, so that is, ve- that is very interesting. Is that, that wraps up the, uh, the regression report. Very yeah. good transition into the real or fake. Yeah, because, I mean, look, I. Christian Yelich is a real one when his knee is healthy and we think it's finally getting there real or fake this one. So that this was, this was a, a thought you had from what you've lived in Las Vegas. We see some interesting characters roaming the streets, whether <laughs> yes, it's yes, we do. outside Fremont street or on the strip or wherever, uh, you know, you can, you just can to name clarify, this is about pitchers. Just, so we're, okay, this, this is, this is a baseball discussion. Yes. This is not about people, but right. What you're telling me, Adam, is that you've you've encountered some fake people on the streets of Las Vegas, is what you're saying. Indeed. That you would not want to share a Colt 45 without a vending machine. Probably not. Okay. So let's discuss if we think these pictures are real or are they fake. Uh, Kyle Wright is up first of the Atlanta Braves and a team that has has really struggled looking for a guy like him to step up. Uh, What do you make of a man who's off to a pretty fantastic start with a sub-275 FIP? Yeah, Kyle Wright today gave up one earned run on just three hits and six and a third. The Padres, of course, scored seven runs, most of that coming off of the bullpen here. But Kyle Wright with nine more strikeouts today. I think that a lot of this is real. Now, he's probably not going to have a sub-three ERA. He could, given the dead ball. But the big thing for him is the massive improvement he's made with his strikeout percent, which is up almost 10% based on his 2022 numbers versus what he had coming into this season. And he's cut his walk rate in half. Now, what the Braves have done and what a lot of smart teams do, and this sounds remarkably simple, but not enough teams do this, they went to Kyle Wright and said, look, you're going to throw your worst pitch less often, and here's what we want you to do instead. So he's throwing a lot more curveballs. He's throwing a lot more stuff with movement this year that does generate more swing and miss, does generate increased margin for error, because fastballs are pretty easy to kind of figure out where Mm -hmm. they're going to move. They're easy to barrel. They're easy to hit hard. Other pitches are not. Kyle Wright has made very substantive changes to his pitch arsenal to where he's throwing stuff that generates more swing and miss and stays off the barrel. So I think this is very much legit, despite what his numbers look like coming into this season. Yeah, and to me, the I mean, just from a general sense, when you cut down your walk rate in half, and like a 15% walk rate to me, Adam, indicates you just don't trust your stuff to begin with, and you're going to nibble as a result. 
Uh, that is a, that is a sign. Like that is a, a real legitimate thing. It's not, I'm with you. He's real. Uh, there's a couple more pictures I want to get your thoughts on. We'll continue this segment. I, we could also change it to you know, Cosmopolitan or Colt 45. Uh, which, 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 one, which one are you favorite? We're also going to do a new segment as well. Batter up or sit, sit him down, which is a creation of our own Brown Ortega, our producer behind the glass. A lot of sitting down right now behind the Circus Sportsbook studio, but they'll be standing up uh, in no time because we've got hour two of the run line. Coming your way next here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.